This is my message to Ed Reed. Put Bethune-Cookman and your history with them in the past. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one Daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU Athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Sports, or excuse me, TSU Herald Sports Editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. Day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter. Boop, right there at South the Exclusives on the bottom of the screen. But if you don't know what I was boop saying that to, then go ahead and follow me on Twitter if you're on the audio side of things. And don't forget the S on the end. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to make every moment more. Dylan Horton has left FAMU, and I don't blame her, and you shouldn't either. Also, Howard just won the MEAC. Can they do it again next year? Before any of that, I just have a message to Ed Reed. It's time to leave Bethune-Cookman in the past. And I don't want to say leave them alone. That sounds as if he's bullying them. But he's still talking about it about two months later, and I genuinely believe that Ed Reed just needs to leave that situation in the past. Leave it where it was. Because this comes from somebody who was able to see his side, understand where he was coming from. I, sh I felt like I showed a decent amount of compassion. I understand that people have a problem with how it came out. I don't have a problem with what was actually being said and done for the most part. Of course, I had my one little gripe. But on this topic and on this part of the situation, I feel like I was very understanding to where he was a couple of months ago. But that's the key phrase, a couple of months ago. Time has passed, and to me, Ed Reed is so far removed from Bethune-Cookman, both as far as timetable goes, both as far as his, his plans and their plans go, and then also he should just be past talking on the situation. So let's look at what his original mission is, because that's probably the most important thing. I think he's beyond his point, his initial point, and that was to kind of spark change. Ed Reed came to Bethune-Cookman because he wanted to be a coach. When he got to Bethune-Cookman, he saw some things that he didn't like. He thought weren't up to the standard that they should be. Okay, so he hops on Instagram Live, and these are the things that ended up getting him fired, but he went on a rant with the intention of making things better. He also had the position to do that. He doesn't now because he's been fired. The position to do it, the intention to do it, not the execution, but the intention and the position are two things that are vastly different at the end of March than they were at the end of January. See, at the end of January, we were still kind of sitting here like, are they going to keep him around? Is he going to have the ability to be a coach and still be this kind of beacon of light, this ability to change? Was it still going to be present? Well, we found out the answer was no, but we found that out months ago and it kind of feels like he's off of that. It doesn't feel like he wants to change because 
couple of weeks afterwards, he would put out little things here and there. He even said he's watching Coach Carter. And I'm like, man, this dude is really going through it. It made sense why students were able to rally around him, why student athletes of all sports were able to rally around him. It made sense to me. I was like, okay, he really wants to change things. And he was even tweeting with enough for me to say he was saying it, but not enough to where somebody who didn't want to believe it, we like, he's not even talking about Bethune Cookman. But I saw it, heard it on Instagram Lives. He's still talking about it up to about two weeks ago. But this was the one where he jumped out the window. And it was just a couple of days ago. It took a minute to get to me. I promise you, I'm not looking for this. I've even made it a, a, a point of emphasis not to talk about the University of Colorado head coach in the things that he or people close to him have said in relation. I don't want to talk about people who were by the program, not really by the program anymore and left because of controversial. Things. I don't want to talk about this. But this was something that I felt compelled to address. And he put out, he said, this is the tweet exactly. <clears throat> Excuse me. He said, there, there are shootings on Bethune campus. No media attention. Wow. But cursing. Y'all lose your mind. Where y'all at? <sighs> Here's the thing, Eddie. <laughs> I ain't gonna call you Eddie. There's an Eddie over there at Tennessee State. I like Ed. So here's the thing, Ed. It's one, it wasn't on campus. So whether you meant to do it or not, I know it was at a park by campus. I don't know. But you kind of spread some misinformation. And then secondly, this is nowhere close to what you are actually fighting for. When Ed Reed was going on rants, it was about appearance. It was about the students. It was about mismanagement. Those are values, things that he felt needed to be upheld. He's not advocating for the safety. Don't allow it to be because we're talking about students and shootings and things of that nature to trick you. He's not advocating anything here he's just saying people got shot he's not saying oh we need to do things to improve the safety measures around campus he is simply telling you that a shooting happened at a park right next to the campus this is truly about the last part the cursing it's him telling you i shouldn't have been fired it's him telling you that cursing is not that big of an offense it's him telling you that the campus still would rather stay behind some safe lies then actually vocalize the truth because it's dangerous. It's still him saying, I want you to see the double standard that's been placed in front of you. Ed, I will never tell you to let your anger go. I will never tell you to not feel the way that you feel. Lord knows I've had it. I understand that. But I think it's time to stop speaking on it in a public domain like Twitter, because now you seem a little spiteful. I understand you probably still want to be the coach. I get that. Part of me still feels like, you know, I would like to see how that would have turned out too. But it's not the case now. They have a new coach. That coach has announced a coaching staff. And you're just not on the point that you once were. You're no longer trying to improve anything. You're highlighting an issue. A, a conversation that was so much bigger than Ed Reed in this tweet has made the conversation solely about Ed Reed. That was never the fight. So if I'm Ed, if I'm somebody close to Ed, if I'm just matter of fact, I'm me. If somebody who is showing this to Ed, because no, I'm not trying to ride off on you. I'm really not. But I just want you to reflect and then look in the mirror and ask yourself, are you still staying true to the point that you cared so deeply about in January? I want you to ask yourself if I really care about the students at Bethune Cookman. And this is not about me getting fired. If I truly care about the students and want those things to improve. 
am I still showcasing it in the proper way? If you could look at yourself and say, you know what? I'm staying true. This is still about them. I'm still going about it the proper way. That's the answer. But that's me to you. That's what I would say to you, Ed. Going forward, we're going to switch over to the MIAC because Howard just won the MIAC for the first time in like 30 years. But can they do it again? Yes, it's a valid question. And no, I'm not rushing off of what they just were able to accomplish. But I am curious. And honestly, you should be too. Can Howard repeat as MIAC champions next year? As we continue with Locked on HBCU, we'll dive into that. But today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked on Podcast Network. And the Sweet 16, not the Final Four, but the Sweet 16 is going to be coming back on tonight. So put some money down on those games. What's the spread? Who's going to win? What's the over-under? You can mix March Madness with the NBA, right? If you Did you make some money off the World Baseball Classic? There's so many things that you could have made some money off of, but Let's say you you were just unfortunate and you lost your first bet. Well, if you're a new customer to FanDuel, they have the first bet, no sweat. And what that means is even if you lose, you're not really losing much. We're going to give you $1,000 back in free bets. How you love that, man? I, who doesn't like saying, you know what? I took an L, but you, I'm going to bounce back. I'm going to give me free bets. So I'm just going to try it again. That's exactly what FanDuel offers to their first-time customers. So just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and make every moment more. As we continue rolling with today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, make sure you're checking out Locked on College Basketball. It's everything that you need around the sport in one place. Wherever you listen or watch your podcast, there's no more important time in college basketball than right now. So this is next to Locked on HBCU. But I all love my guys. It- This is an extremely important, the most important podcast for you to be listening to at a time like this. And an important question to ask at a time like this is, does Howard have the ability to repeat? I will not ask or put the question out there, will they repeat? I don't have the crystal ball and we're so far removed from next season that I won't answer that. But I will ask the question, do they have the ability to? Might soften it for some people, but I'm going to take a hard stance in favor of it. Because I'm not just, oh, yeah, they can. They're the champion, so of course they can. Next topic. Mm-mm. I think it's a valid question because after you win a championship and the season is over, we instantly look forward. How many days after the Celebration Bowl did it take for us to start talking about who's going to be in the next Celebration Bowl? Every sport, this is the case in every sport. As soon as the Super Bowl was over, the betting lines, you can go on FanDuel. They're going to be talking about who's the champions next year. As soon as the season is over, we start looking to the next season. Now for the champions, that's kind of a quicker turnaround because you played in the last game. For everybody else, it's like, okay, now we can start looking forward. We've been looking forward to it. So when I'm looking forward and asking who's going to be the champions, that's a fair question. But I'll add an extra layer of intrigue into this conversation. Since 2015... Every time that there has been a new champion in MEAC men's basketball, that team has repeated. In 2015, Hampton won. They won again in 2016. They lost the throne in North Carolina Central in 2017. But the Eagles went on to win 17, 18, 19. They won three years in a row. Then after that, you had the gap year because of COVID. And then in comes Norfolk State. They won the last two years. Their throne or their reign was ended by the Howard Bison. So now the question becomes, 
does Howard have the ability to repeat? Yes, sir. A hundred percent. Yes, sir. One of the biggest reasons that I feel in favor of them is the fact that their biggest competition is going to be severely hampered. Now, naturally, as the champion, you should step in as a favorite. You, even if you're not the favorite, you should step in as a favorite. However, I wouldn't blame anybody if Joe Bryan and Chris Bankston and Norfolk State came in next year as somebody's favorite. Makes sense. They've been so dominant. They made it to the title game this year, too. It makes sense. But here's the thing. Chris Bankston, grad student. Joe Bryan, grad student. They're gone. See, with Howard, they're retaining all their stars. Norfolk State, their biggest competition, the team that has been over this conference for the last three years and been really one of the top teams in the last three years, even though they didn't win this year. They're losing their two stars. Meanwhile, Howard has eight players who played double digit min minutes this year. Eight players of those eight. The only person to leave is Jelani Williams. That's it. Eight players to play double digit minutes and only one is leaving. And of course, we're assuming that nobody leaves through the transfer portal. Somebody might, okay. But as we sit here right now, all your players are here. Most importantly, your big three is here. Most importantly, you have Shy Odoms. You have Elijah Hawkins. You have Steve Settle. Like, all of these players are here. But you also have a lot of bench players who are coming in, too. A lot of role players and support guys who are going to be there. The Howard Bison that you saw in 2022-23 it's the same Howard Bison you're going to see in 2023-24. And that same team includes last year's Rookie of the Year, Elijah Hawkins. This past year's Rookie of the Year, Shai Odoms. There's, matter of fact, there's no reason for me to believe that Howard won't recruit the Rookie of the Year next year and have him play big-time minutes and have him be a guy who's really going to contribute significantly to another championship team. So... Can they win? Do they have the ability to repeat? Yes, 100%, 150%. I don't care what percentage you want to attach to it as long as it's 100 or more. I believe that they have the ability to come back. I'm going to take it a step farther. The question is, do they have the ability to repeat? I think they have the ability to three-peat. I'm looking at Shy Odoms. I'm looking at Elijah Hawkins. I'm looking at some role players like Shy, or excuse me, like Bryce Harris. I'm looking at role players like Marcus Dockery. Like these aren't the, the big three on the team, but these are guys who contributed significantly. These are guys who were in the starting lineup. Bryce Harris was a monster in that MEAC tournament. I loved watching him play. From the last game of the season until the end of the MEAC tournament, I was so incredibly infatuated with his game and his energy that he brought on the court. So you're asking me, does Howard have the, well, I'm not, you're not asking me, but I'm asking you and I'm answering. So the question is, does Howard have the ability to repeat? Yes. They're bringing in seven of the eight players who played double digit minutes, but that's not enough for me. I can't just sit there. I'm going to take it another step farther. I think that Howard has the ability to three-peat. They have Elijah Hawkins, Shy Odoms as just part of their big three right now and will be the stars that lead them for the next couple of years. And you also have players like Marcus Dockery and Bryce Harris. This is a team that's going to be scary for a long time. And in addition to that, they have great coaching. And to recruit the last two rookies of the year, why are we stopping at 2-3? This is a team that has shown the ability to restock at the moment with great coaching and be able to develop these players relatively immediately. 
Howard is going to be dangerous. Clean up the, the turnovers and all of that. They're already scary. It's going to be a four-month Halloween for the next three years during basketball season. Speaking of scary sights, unfortunately, Dylan Horton will not be on FAMU. And if you're a Rattler fan, that should bother you because she is one of, if not, no, she's your best player. Not even one of. She's your leading scorer and a really good player for you. And unfortunately, she will be missed. We'll talk about why it's not really a surprise as we continue with Locked on HBCU. As we're wrapping up today's episode, I appreciate you for making it to the end of the show and making us your first listen of the day. Thank you two times for that. Y'all, man, y'all real for that, for real. Now, here's the thing. Dylan Horton is entering the transfer portal and nobody should be surprised. I'm certainly not. I don't blame her. They're just on two different trajectories. They're not headed the same way. Now, Damian Lillard is an interesting player when people talk about how they view him. Some people champion Damian Lillard for his ability to stay in one place, for the loyalty that it requires to stay in one place your whole career. Some people have started being on the opposite side, but for the most part, especially over the last couple of years, Damian Lillard was painted as the poster boy for fighting against super teams, right? Staying and sticking loyal. I don't care that Damian Lillard stays in Portland. I care that Damian Lillard performs, whether he's in Portland, whether they have a new franchise in Seattle and he goes there. It really doesn't make me no difference, to be honest. So I'm not holding Damian to that standard and I'm not holding Dylan Horton to that standard. She's got to do what's best for her. To quote the great Taraji P, I got to put me first, Lucius. And that's exactly what Dylan Horton is doing because the trajectory that she's on as a player and the trajectory that FAMU is on as a basketball team, it's not the same. They don't line up. She only has one year left. She's a grad transfer. She's going to be going in there for her last year of eligibility wherever she lands. Let me tell you what she's done. No, excuse me. Let me tell you what the team has done since she's arrived. That was the last two years. And since then, FAMU has been, in year one, the third worst team in the SWAC, 4-14 and 14 in the conference, and five games away from the eight seed, which means they did not make the SWAC tournament. All right, cool. First year blues, you're just trying to get adjusted, get acclimated to being in the SWAC. Maybe it's a little bit different. Year two, third worst team in the conference, 4-14 and 14 in the conference, and then also five games away from the eight seed. No, I didn't read the same line twice. This is just exactly what happened the year before and it happened last year. This team has not been good for two years in a row and there's absolutely no reason for me to believe that they're all of a sudden going to click and get it together. Now remember, we're talking about a player who only has one year of eligibility left. Of course, the mission is to be able to get to the league and things of that nature, showcase yourself. So even if you have to play overseas, but if you think that's all it is, I'm going to accuse you of never playing a competitive sport anywhere past Little League. Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to win. I don't care who you are. I don't care what position you're at. You want to win. Of course, you want to look great. Of course, you want to be an individual. But we love people who say it's all about the team. People who consistently defer from themselves and put it on the team. Now, when the team isn't performing gotta go this is college this is college 
She wants to win. She wants to showcase herself. And you're always going to get more eyes on a successful team. That's just the guy's honest truth of it. And she's performed well enough to be able to transfer and be sought after. So I looked at what FAMU was able to do in those two years. What was she able to do in the two years that she was here? She was sixth in point per game in the conference. Fifth, excuse me, that was year one. In year two, she was fifth in the league in points per game. She was seventh in steals. Now, obviously, she's been a bucket getter. Been a bucket getter since the moment she stepped down in Tallahassee. But she also became one of the better pickpockets. She played more games, so she was healthier. And though her points per game dropped off by 0.8, went from 16.6 to 15.8, minor, minor drop off. It also resulted in her being a better facilitator because though she wasn't top 10 in assist, she was still way better. Like she jumped from 1.2 to 1.8 a game. It's not, but that's a good, that's a good increase in my opinion. You're looking at assist, excuse me, you're looking at assist there. You're looking at steals here. She's done more than just score the ball. I would say that in the last couple of years or the last couple of games that I was able to catch of hers, you saw her be just an overall more complete player. She's going like this, upward trajectory. Matter of fact, she's going on this, upward trajectory to our QR code, to the newsletter. You should have been scanned five episodes ago. <laughs> Fam, you's just doing this. They're just going straight across, horizontal. There's no verticality in their path but not only are they being horizontal they're horizontal at the bottom it's one thing if you're horizontal at the top near the top but you're horizontal at the bottom with a player who is trying to climb and has played well enough to be at the top I think it's very clear why Dylan Horton left I don't have the inside information but if I had to make an assumption that's 100% why I would say she did it and I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. For your second listen, make sure you're checking out the Locked On College Basketball podcast for everything you need around the sport, including the Sweet 16 tonight. On tomorrow's episode, I'm going to pull out the draft HBCU draft guide, and I'm going to look at the player breakdowns for some of my favorite players in the draft and see just how I feel about them and give that insight back to you. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives right there. You see it. You see it. Don't hesitate. Until the next time that we hear each other, family. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.